maybe have one of the deals within the portfolio to be astronomically higher than what it should be, and then the others will then be risen up to a certain extent to that higher than they would have been without that anchoring point. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714 I interviewed her about her best ever advice, talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you. Mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Today's Friday. We do follow on Friday today. And for those episodes, got my co-host Theo Hicks on those episodes. How you doing, Theo? I'm doing great, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing well. And, well... Follow along Friday for anyone who hasn't heard the show before. Well, first off, welcome. And for any returning Best Ever listeners, as a refresher, this is about what we've learned over the past week so that what we've learned can perhaps help you out in what you've got going on in your entrepreneurial endeavors. And we've got a lot going on right now. So, Theo, let's kick it off. Let's do it. So, start some deal updates. I know you've got a new deal under contract. Yes, we have been awarded a new deal. Okay. It's not not yet under contract. It's an on-market deal that we have been looking at for quite some time, and we've been awarded it through the process. So off-market deal, it's a lot more simple. On-market, it's a little bit strung out more because mm-hmm. there's bids, and then everyone bids, and then you go into the best and final round. You give your best and final offer. You usually have a call with the broker and the representative from the seller. They qualify you, basically make sure that you can close 
and that nothing will come up from a due diligence standpoint that could kill the deal. And then they'll try and push you a little bit to pay a little bit more. (laughs) And then eventually they award the winner. And we have been awarded the deal, so this will be the 11th deal that we have in our portfolio. And we know this deal, and in particular this market and sub-market, incredibly well. We have almost a 1,000 units within two miles Mm -hmm. from this property. So as we continue to go through the process, I, I don't want to talk a whole lot about it because it's not under contract yet. But once we have it under contract, then I'll tell you more about the business plan and everyone more about the business plan, etc. So yeah, got awarded a, a new deal, excited about that. And we're at right now in the process is working through the purchase and sale agreement, the PSA, with the seller. And then also I am getting the investor presentation ready just to share Mm -hmm. with them and then I'll probably be doing that late this week early next week and then we'll have a conference call with investors talk to them about the opportunity why we're buying it and then we'll be off and running should close by the end of August okay is the time frame so when you're awarded a deal prior to having me on a contract is that like a verbal agreement or is it something that's written down it's verbal okay yeah so that's why 99% it's going to happen, but there's always a chance that something crazy might happen. That's why I'm a little cryptic in how I talk mm-hmm. about it until we get it under contract, but for all intents and purposes, it's our deal. For smaller deals, I'm trying to think of this comparable, something analogous to being a war the deal. I guess it'd be you submitting the offer and them saying, yeah, we'll get to it tomorrow or we'll yeah. sign the contract tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. It could say, oh, well, congratulations, you were the bid that they selected mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason they decide to go a different direction okay. and put it under contract with someone else. I mean, ultimately, unless it's under contract, it doesn't really mean anything. So Awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah. One thing you could do is have an LOI signed by both parties and... I've heard situations where that has held up in court, where mm-hmm. you both sign the LOI and say, we plan on getting a PSA purchase and sale agreement agreed upon by two weeks from today, and then if it's not, then it's not. But if it is, then, or within those two weeks, if they go to another buyer, then I have seen in a court proceeding where the seller was forced to sell to the original buyer, even though they didn't have a contract, but they had to sign the LOI in place. So that could be one way that you could tie it up. But ultimately, as I've said many times, everyone loses when attorneys are involved. (laughs) So if they don't want to sell it to you, then I would probably just say, okay, this is not the right thing. Sign the deal. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, a couple updates on my deal. So yeah, are you closed? So we were supposed to close today, actually. Oh, but we extended the contract to the thirty first because of good. A, so they they yes. signed they signed the contract. And actually, it's funny because you're saying how you were awarded the deal and yeah. had the contract. I've been awarded the extension. They still haven't signed it yet. They keep saying how we'll sign it tomorrow. We'll sign it tomorrow. Oh, so they we'll haven't signed it yet. We'll see what happens. When do they have to sign it by? 
I'm not sure of the specific date, but I'm sure they should have to sign it by today. Well, when's the contract? We're supposed about? to today. We're supposed so, to close today. <laughs> so it needs. So the contract goes until today. So they need to sign mm-hmm. it today. And they verbally agreed to sign it, but verbally they already knew that via email. Email. Yeah. Email. Okay, so they emailed and said yes, we agree to it. And when was that? It was yesterday. Oh, okay, yesterday. We're on what yeah. time? It's because they're. On, it's because the agents were on vacation, and they said okay. we'll do it when we get back. Okay. And my my agent's on vacation too, and we're into a lot of interesting situations with agents this round. So I'm not sure <laughs> what if I'll be using agents moving forward. You are an agent. I am an agent. Yes. So, so don't use them. them. You could double up on some stuff. I could. I'm probably gonna pull that my my license from the. I guess the ashes, because right now it's in, it's up right now. They sent it back to the headquarters uh, up okay. in Columbus. It's because I didn't want to keep continue to pay like $1,000 a year because I wasn't necessarily using it. But now that I'm back in the game, it's to probably yeah. provide that. It's worth it. Um, so I guess that's one, if we're going to talk about mistakes, that's one mistake I don't want to repeat next time, which is in regards to, to agents and just, is it worth going through all the headaches of having your own agent with the benefits of not having to do the paperwork versus just mm-hmm. kind of just doing the paperwork yourself and having the extra money and not having the headache of having to rely on someone else and kind of taking control of everything. So that's kind of what we'll do moving forward. But the good news about the deal. So moving forward, you will represent yourself. I think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think this is a sign yeah. that you be representing myself. Yeah. Okay. But there's, there's two pieces of good news about the deal. Number one, the appraisals came back at $10,000 over purchase price, which is good. Because we were kind of contingency in there because we were afraid that the appraisals wouldn't come back at the 220 mark. Just because just when we were in the comps, there weren't any comps that were over $200,000. But there were multiple sales in the past couple of months that were high enough that our properties appraised for 230 So we got $30,000 in equity over the three properties. 10, the ten above each property. Yeah, 10 each. Okay. That's and great. And something that's even better is the, the business plan was to go into each property and raise the rents to, not necessarily like market rates, but to the rates that we knew we can get based off of um, a one bedroom and one two bedroom that was leased in the actual in the property we're buying. And so for the one bedroom, it was 600 a month, and for the two bedroom, it was 750. And so we plan on going in there and raising all the one beds to 600 and the two beds to 750 because all the leases were a month a month besides those two. But someone that I believe he used to go to the mastermind group, Zach. I think he's like doing a road trip right now in a trailer. Yeah. You know yep. He owns a property there and he just got eight seventy five, I believe. All the fourplexes in Pleasant Ridge are all the same that I've seen. They all look the exact same. And so I know it's the same layout. I think he might have a couple of additional updates. I'm not hundred percent sure. But I mean that's hundred and twenty five dollars over what I thought I could get as a huge plus. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. That's over 1200 bucks plus a year. Yeah. And right now, the rents for the two beds are, I would say, on average, around 675 Wow. So, wow. That, that's, that's a great bit of news. I would definitely go tour if he'll allow you. Just go mm-hmm. check out his place and do a comparison. Yeah. Have you gotten into the units that the keys never worked? Yeah, we got in there. You got in there. <laughs> got in there. What did you way. find? It was the exact same. There was no, okay. there was no issues. Okay. There were just, I think it, it was just the keys were different. The tenants replaced the locks. So, yeah, there's nothing hidden in there. There are no bodies or no Good. broken floors or anything like that. I was picturing a hoarder with dead things all around mm-hmm. and trash piled up to your knees. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah. Well, no, there was one unit that was a hoarder, and we saw it. And she was actually there, too. 
But it was a weird situation because it wasn't like your typical hoarder. She didn't collect dolls, like uh, Barbies and Star Wars characters. She had a room that was just covered in these action figures. It was crazy. So then you walk in, they're all staring at you. Basically. Yeah. She's following us around like we're going to steal one of her action figures. It's like, I'm not taking your dolls, don't worry. You're being watched. Yeah. All right, so you had a lot more good news than anything. That's great on those... And remind me and perhaps the best of listeners, are you getting one loan for those three properties or three separate loans? Three separate loans. Three separate loans. And who are you working with? Not maybe the person, but the organization or the lender. It's called Guaranteed Rate. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it seems as if they're a hybrid of a traditional lender, like a Bank of America, a PNC, and like a community bank, just because... They say that they underwrite the deals a little bit different than like how a PNC would, because they actually take into account the income of the property when they're calculating or the income ratio. Where, as far as I can understand, traditional banks don't do that. They have to wait two years of income before they start saying, "Okay, now we'll take 100% of income." Whereas for this lender, from my understanding, they take 75% of the income right away. Boom! Right when they're underwriting the deals right now. Okay. Yeah, I, Colleen and I use them to buy our primary residence. Oh. Awesome. Guaranteed rate. Cool. Okay, good stuff. Awesome. So I kind of went over my mistake already. So any mistakes oh, you made this week? Oh, uh, let's see. Of course I have mistakes I made this week. <laughs> let's see. One is it is taking me way too long to finish one book. I have finished it last night. I finished Perfect. it. But I have had on my monthly goal for the last three months to read. Three months ago it was to read one book. And then two months ago it was to read two books. And then last month, it was just to read one book, and I still hadn't completed one book, and it's freaking ridiculous, because I'd start some, and then I'd just trail off, and I'd go start another, and then I wouldn't read at all. I finally finished it. It's the book called Priceless, The Myth of Fair Value and How to Take Advantage of It by William Poundstone. And I don't know how I came across it, you know, because anytime either a best ever guest or someone I come across is, hey, this book is good, then I'll just immediately buy it, and then I'll read it Tim Ferriss or someone. Mm-hmm. The book is about, I've talked about it briefly on another show, but the main takeaway is anchoring is real. So when you say, I want to sell my house for $3 million, but the house is worth $300,000, that's a bit ridiculous, but there is some portion that automatically elevates the real value of the house to a higher level and you will likely get more money for it. And what it's led me to think about is right now with apartments in particular, all of the properties we come across are priced to be determined by market. They don't have an actual sales price. And it goes absolutely against what all these psychologists and sociologists talk about in this book and that is you don't do it determined by market you actually set the price even if it's ridiculous to say you have an apartment community worth $600,000 and you want to get $600,000 set it for $850,000 and then according to this book you'll get the top dollar you possibly can for it and I talked about some other examples on previous shows where some high-end jewelry store do you know one? I can't think of one right no, now. No, I heard of one. I think it was in the book Influence. I think he wrote about by Robert Caldini. 
I think one of the examples, because he was also talking about that anchoring technique, he might have called something differently. He was saying how some jeweler couldn't sell this specific stone, and it was listed like half the price of some other stone that was like selling off the hook. And then someone mistakenly doubled the price or added a zero out of the price. Mm, yep. And then I think someone mistakenly added a zero out of the price of this non-seller. And then it just sold out basically instantaneously. Yeah, I remember that example. I, I can't remember what book that was, but yep, same principle. And sometimes you need that stone with the extra zero, even if it doesn't sell, to then lift up your sales for other stuff. And this is what I talked about last time. Like, you go into a Gucci, and I don't know if they sell jewelry or not, but just say you go into <laughs> Gucci, I think they just sell purses, and there's a big diamond, Gucci diamond. I'm pretty sure they don't have diamonds, but whatever. Grow with me on this. And that never sells, but they know it won't sell because... The purpose of it is to then make the sunglasses and other things not seem as expensive. So, takeaway for real estate investors, one, don't do price determined by market, do an actual sales price. Two would be if you have a portfolio that you're selling, then maybe have one of the deals within the portfolio to be astronomically higher than what it should be, and then the others will then be risen up to a certain extent to that higher than they would have been without that anchoring point. Another very tactical thing is if you work from home, have a mirror in your office because studies have proven that when you're more self-aware, you're going to be more productive and ethical, by the way, because it's like someone's watching you and you're more self-aware. So have a mirror in your office and you'll just naturally be or self-aware because there you are and you'll be on the ball a little bit more. It could help with your productivity. You gonna put a full mirror here? (laughs) (laughs) I I I, who knows? I don't know. I might I might. I have a full mirror near my office, so I wonder if that's helping me or not. There you go. Something else, I think this is kind of related, not necessarily price wise, but I guess relationship wise, in terms of anchoring. But you interviewed Pat Hillban, I think is his name, on a recent podcast. I think it was released last week. And he wrote the book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, and I think it was step five was build. He was talking about building off of previous success. But something that when I was reading that, I thought about, and I think he mentioned this about you, was how you anchor yourself to your past successes to essentially elevate yourself whenever you're presenting yourself to new guests. Instead of just saying, hey, come to my podcast, or, say, or hey, come invest with me, you say, hey, I've got, you know, I interviewed Robert Kiyosaki and Barbara Corcoran and Emmett Smith on, on my podcast. Come join that group. Or, hey, come invest with me. I've got this much in real estate already. And they're like, oh, wow, this guy's legit. He just kind of adds that layer of credibility. So I think that's kind of similar where he was basically saying, you want to you anchor yourself to past successes rather than kind of just starting from scratch and not mentioning anything you've done in the past and just saying, you know, hey, come invest with me. Hey, come do this. Come do that. It might kind of be related, maybe not, but I wanted to mention that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately you want to have credibility, and you have credibility by showing what you've done. And really, because it's such a noisy world, we get all sorts of inundated with all sorts of stuff. It's about why should I listen or be involved with you? Mm -hmm. That's what I do anytime I present at a conference or somewhere. I always mention briefly my credentials because... It helps my credibility whenever I'm talking to people. And ultimately, the main thing is interviewing over a 1,000 real estate investors because it's not necessarily my experiences, although I am a full-time active real estate investor, 
It's about the experiences of a thousand other people I've learned from while interviewing them. Awesome. Cool. So transition. So we've got three questions. Two from listeners, one actually from me. I guess you can call me a listener. <laughs> okay. We had 4th of July Independence Day, and we have a blog about the four steps of financial independence on Jeff's blog. And I was thinking, because my idea when I invested in real estate was, you know, the reason I got into real estate was for the idea of financial independence. So I could invest in real estate, get enough income from real estate to cover my expenses or cover my, at that point, what I was making in my full-time job. And then at that point, once I make it, I can just boom, stop. Don't do anything anymore. I can go to a beach or I can go on vacation, kind of do whatever. And I guess my question to you, based off all the interviews that you've done, is not necessarily how realistic that is. Obviously, it's possible you can actually achieve that and replace your income. But how many people do you know that once they get to that point, do they actually do that or do they kind of just continue on and it's more of a financial freedom where they kind of don't have to worry about money anymore. Now they can just worry about expanding their business or doing something else. Well... I'd say the high achievers naturally want to continue to grow because that's how they got to where they're at. That's how they've achieved what they've achieved because they know how to play the game and have played it well and want to continue playing because it is playing to them. It's not working. It's playing to them. So, you know, with real estate, it's not like stocks. Because with stocks, you can set it up and forget about it. I'm sure you want to look at your portfolio as you go along, but there's more hand-holding, there's more management involved with real estate. Maybe a triple net lease. That or maybe leasing land or, or something like that. But there's always going to be some involvement in our investments. I mean, I'm at the same place. I've got a large amount of real estate, and it's just about continuing to grow and optimize my potential and it's not just optimizing potential in real estate or business it's about personal relationships physical health and so the people who do achieve financial independence and what's the other term you use freedom freedom to me financial independence financial freedom it's kind of semantics it's splitting hairs i mean ultimately the question is once you have enough money, do you continue to work or do you go retire on the beach? That's basically the question. And I found that you continue to work, but it's not necessarily work. It's stuff that you enjoy doing and you want to continue to achieve at a high level. And there was something I read that Grant Cardone wrote. It was about how do people work for 100 hours a week and not get burned out? And the answer is, well... If it's work, you will get burnt out. But if it's something that you're enjoying doing, then you don't get burnt out. You need to figure out how to integrate that into other things in your life, but you don't get burnt out because you're enjoying doing it. So you got to really thrive off of doing what you do. And I think the key is to, as you go along in your financial career, the ladder, you climb the ladder, to identify more and more of what you really enjoy doing so what aspect of the business is the play part versus what aspect is the work part? And then building systems and teams around you who help you with the work part. I don't plan on retiring on the beach somewhere because I go to the beach now and I just sit there for 10 minutes and that's it. Like I want to go play volleyball. I want to go in the water. I want to go do bike rides and stuff. So then the question is, do you plan on going to retire on vacation permanently? 
I feel worthless. And perhaps that's something more deep that we would need to discover, but I just constantly need to contribute. And there's tons of ways to contribute, but when, as long as I continue to grow my business, I know there's a ripple effect of really positive things with a lot of people, and why not continue to optimize that? And I think that's what most higher achievers realize as they go along. Tony Robbins, Oprah, Elon Musk, they could retire, they could stop working, but then what? Statistics show when you retire after you've worked and you don't have a focus, you die in like five, seven years for males in particular. Mm -hmm. So why do that? So I think the image of going to retire on the beach is nice, but it's not correct. And if you do, you'll probably die within five to ten years, especially if you're a male. I think a really good point you made I think this is actually my idea, I just hadn't articulated it yet, but the the high achiever, the person that's going to actually achieve this financial independence, freedom, whatever you want to call it, isn't necessarily going to set the goal of, once I get there, I'm going to retire. They're going to have the goal of, I always want to expand and grow. Mm -hmm. I guess the point is, is that if you are a high achiever, your goal most likely is not going to be, I want to retire. Your your goal is not going to be Elon Musk and all the people you named to continue growing and expanding forever, consistently, until you, I guess, die. The answer to the question is, the type of individual that actually achieved the financial independence doesn't necessarily want to retire and quit the business and just do nothing. Mm-hmm. The person that's going to actually, the person that's actually capable of achieving the financial freedom will, once they get to that point, just continue going. Perhaps optimize the business so that they spend no time doing stuff they don't want to do and only time doing stuff they want to do. That certainly could be it. Yeah. And they might go on a year-long retreat or something, but to guarantee they'll be right back in the game, maybe starting a new business or or something, Mm -hmm. because that's just how things work. I don't have to do another podcast episode ever. This could be the last one, and that'll be it, and my business will be fine. Mm -hmm. I'll be fine, but that's just not how I'm programmed, and I just want to continue to grow and achieve, and that's what the high achievers do. Awesome. So the next question is from one of the listeners, Robert, and he says, I'm trying to get going in the multifamily and ran across some student condos one or two blocks from university. There are six of the 14 condos available. I don't see much upside appreciation unless the building is remodeled. It was built in the 1980s. Each unit has one vote for the HOA. If I were to acquire a majority of the 14, say eight of them, that put me in a position to force a remodel. I think the location is excellent will always be rented, but the outside is not appealing, and that would hurt the appreciation, in my opinion. I guess the question is, if he has a majority of votes on the homeowner Association, will he be able to force the <laughs> HOA to repair the outside of the property? Yeah. Well, ultimately, disclaimer, I've never been in this position. So I am about to say what I think, but it is not based on personal first-hand experience. I would think the approach would be to know what the HOA guidelines state. Because whatever the bylaws say in a document, that's what they'll go by. So then the question is, how do you get access to those bylaws for the homeowners association? Well, ask for access, maybe. And then if they don't get it, it should be publicly available, but I'm not certain about that. So that would be my approach. Because... They might have something in there that says majority, if you own however many, then you can influence all the votes on the board, or it might be 
something different. Who knows? And they might not even let you have all, buy more than a certain amount of properties, too. Exactly. All right, so that was by Robert. David also had a question, and he asked... I guess we kind of actually answered this already in the podcast, but when getting a loan, what do you recommend for people who are new and don't have two years of tax returns, P&L statements, etc.? And I guess the lender that I use didn't need the profit and loss statements of the property. Well, I guess he's asking about the property, so I guess that's a little bit of a different situation. So when you get a loan, what do you recommend for people who are new and don't have two years of personal tax returns and the property and loss statements for the property? Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you don't have ta- why don't you have tax yeah. returns? <laughs> Are you not doing your taxes? Yeah, so, I don't know that answer. I would say just for the P&L statements, I'm guessing that maybe what he's asking is if he hasn't owned the property long enough for, the, for that two years we are talking about earlier, where they're not going to take into account the income. And if that's the case, then you can find a lender like Guaranteed Rate that will use the income instantaneously and not have to wait oh, okay. two years. That might be the question. There you go. Sure. Thank you, Theo. All right, so I guess to wrap up, we wanted to acknowledge some listeners mm-hmm. who uh, left a review. And so we've got our latest review by a Legacy Driven. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read it? You want to read it? Yeah, read it. You've got a better voice than I do. <laughs> Yours is more authoritative. So Legacy Driven says, I say be a sponge. The title was I'm a sponge. And he says, I say be a sponge because I've listened to this podcast for about six months, and the knowledge I've gained is hard to believe. Since listening, I've rented my home that I was going to sell. I'm getting positive cash flow, too. I'm excited about acquiring more units and acquiring more knowledge with Joe along the way. Uh, I love it. Nice job, Legacy Driven. And congrats on renting out Mm -hmm. the units versus selling it. We really, unless we're going to do 1031 exchange, acquire and keep and just hold on for the long run as much as possible. And so props to you for doing that and grateful that you are a listener. And for... Best number listeners, if you write a review in iTunes, first off, that would be much appreciated, so thank you. Secondly, we're going to be reading one review on Follow Along Friday, and so we'll give you a shout-out as well. And something that I believe is Robert Kiyosaki said, and this is paraphrasing, but he's a never-lost-money deal because he's never sell a deal. He just keeps, he holds everything and doesn't sell. I'm sure he does 1031. I bet he's done 1031 exchange. He's probably sold, I think it's like an exaggeration. Yeah, 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 but imagine that. <laughs> he would be exaggerating. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. And then finally, just want to talk about the upcoming exclusive interviews you, you've got. Yeah, i got a lot of questions from listeners for Jillian Michaels. Going to be interviewing her next week. So there's still time if you have questions. She is an entrepreneur, clearly. We're going to be focused on her entrepreneurial endeavors and really what we can learn from a high achiever like herself who's succeeded within her chosen profession. And so this episode is going to be relatively quick, it's going to be about 15 minutes or so, therefore all the questions, except for maybe two or three, will be from you, best ever listeners. So continue to send questions at info, info at joefairless.com, or if you're watching this video and Facebook, then just comment below. I will do my best to include your question to Jillian Michaels when I interview her next week. All right, well, best of listeners, hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue. 
and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com.